listening to Lame. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) It's March the 4th, 2021. Lame, you might be asking yourself, what does Lame stand for? All right. Lame is the Lexington uh, Apogee Marxist Uh Experience. We have socials. You can follow us at Twitter, uh, at LamePod, and you can email us all of your death threats at lexlamepod at gmail.com I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to sign us up for spam I, this is worse <laughs> please i'm aaron uh and i'm jenry and um this is a show about uh news and more or less politics and us editorializing about it um so like any good publication we do have um retractions to print um and uh this is embarrassing it's not embarrassing i don't blame myself for it um but it is a mistake i made um the e and lame now stands for embarrassment yeah thank you um the e the a and lame stands for embarrassment sure yeah we'll see you we'll see you in the next retraction segment for that one embarrassment uh yes um i uh stated that the um pedway loop still exists um and this was coming off of a old outdated um information i.e from like when i used to go downtown before a um deadly plague um uh made sure i didn't do that this is before jenry left our fair city i wouldn't call it leaving i would um but uh this is yes this was um a beautiful time when i was uh when i cared deeply about our fair city um and it was not 2021 or 2020 um and uh, I would do things like walk the Pedway Loop because it was funny to me. Um, and uh, I pointed this out and um, someone else pointed out, hey, idiot, <laughs> Pedway hasn't been around for like a year. Um, and so I decided to take it on myself last um, uh, last week when I was down in, uh, in our fair city uh, to just drive by and uh, confirm if that was the case. And like, oh, my God, they got rid of the coolest part, too. I'm really honestly, folks, it's. Um, I'm distraught, but don't don't dwell on it because um, there's no use there's no use being nostalgic about things you don't know. They they took out the Pedway. We'll call it the massacre on Maine. Yeah. Okay. Speaking about things that you don't remember um, that you that you have nostalgia for that you don't remember actually, um, uh, we have news today, and um, I would love to t- share with you all um, the uh, the uh, tragedy of Fayette Mall. Right. So. Um, if you've been uh, listening for the last three weeks, right, um, every episode, a new and interesting and new and iconic uh, piece of uh, Lexington architecture um, or infrastructure has just failed uh, fantastically. Our city is crumbling before our very eyes. Uh, first, the p- web parking garage, then the GIF uh, facade. And now, ladies and gentlemen, there was an electrical fire at the Fayette Mall. Um, uh, very minor, folks. Uh, not bad. Not bad at all. I'm actually very healthy. Um, the Fayette Mall, uh, you know, this happened on the 26th of February, um, and basically no one was hurt, and the mall reopened shortly after. It was fine, right? Um, but what did happen, folks, is that, um, and this is, like, the single reason. Look, the Fayette Mall declared bankruptcy already, right, in 2020, but really, the the nail in the coffin for Fayette Mall, and it's sad that I have to see it happen, um, is that, of course, the Apple Store has moved, to the summit at Fritz Farm, right? And, you know, you have, um, for all those who don't obsessively watch, like, mall archaeology videos or whatever, 
um, you have uh, certain stores that are like staples, right? Big, big companies, you know, Fayette Mall had Sears and Macy's and like JCPenney. And I guess you called the exporting goods one, but although they weren't really integrated. But anyway, you have these big anchors is the name, big anchor stores, right? And in the 20th century, right, 21st century, anchor stores stopped really meaning what they did, right? Sears sh- Sears uh, closed and the mall successfully recovered from it, right? Um, but the real reason Fayette Mall, I predicted, was going to last for much longer than these other malls is that, of course, the Fayette Mall had an ace up its sleeve. It had the Apple Store, right? Basically, every mall with an Apple Store, as so long as they maintain the Apple Store, will continue to survive, right? And I cannot believe that um, that those fucking uh, degenerates that built the Fritz Farm are going to be laughing this one all the way to the bank with the Apple Store. Outdoor malls suck. I don't want it. How will this... It does not appeal to uh, my core demographic, which is, of course, Mall Walker. Um, and I, I'm... It's really sad to see, folks. It's really sad to see. Um, but who knows? Um, maybe the city should um, forcefully seize... Uh, I can try... This is how they get all the Apple geeks to uh, actually like go outside mm. and like actually do something. You're um, saying this is a health concern? This, this is, is a actually health a health concern. I remember in elementary school, they used to tell us like um, to get exercise, you should park in the back of the parking lot. Is this um, really? Yeah, and is like, this a thing people really told you? Yeah, not like not like as your only means of exercise, but like, <laughs> hey, you can get some extra steps in by instead of parking close to the store, you park really like as far away as possible from the store. I remember there was this one. Um, there were some businesses that, like, oh, I forget on what day it was, they would shut down their elevators to encourage you to use the stairs. <laughs> That, ha- like, that has to be an ADA thing. You can't. Yes. Yeah, so they, the, that was, has to be the famous photo to come out of this is, of course, a person in a wheelchair just sitting there staring at the uh, that's at the sign that's like, why not take the stairs? Um, but, you know, really, really, truly evil shit. Um, so uh, that's and, and that's the only read that I'm pulling from uh, uh, the Herald leader today. Um, the other little piece of news, and I really thought this hits on a bunch of things that I would call, I would say I never thought I would have the opportunity um, to talk about on this show, but rather I think I'm actually going to say I never thought I would be cursed to have to talk about this on the show, right? Um, this is going to involve many, many uh, taboos of the podcast, such as um, uh, international policy, the People's Republic of China, the United States of America as a federal system, the University of Kentucky, um, this is this is the so Department taboo. of Defense. We're yeah, have to I'm, cut this section I'm, out. Uh, I'm I'm almost about to start just giving away personal information. We're breaking so many rules here, but um, <laughs> it, I would I really want to talk about this because um, uh, it it has affected all of us um in in a way in our hearts, right? The um at the University of Kentucky, um, sandwiched between the uh, Fine Arts Library and the uh, Fine Arts Building is a um is a little little place called the confucius institute right the confucius institute looks beautiful it's one of the best is one of the most serene parts of campus right considering it was literally just built on a service road right um and uh the confucius institute and this is this is this is where we get i'm so torn guys this is maybe one of the few issues that i don't have uh, that i can't that i've yet to uh, that i have like simply cannot form a, an opinion on right like so on one hand the confucius institute like totally 
receives funding and is like like very unapologetically receives funding from the People's Republic of China, right? Um, and and the Confucius Institute, um, knowing people that have worked at the Confucius Institute, right? Even the people who like the Confucius Institute will tell you that yes, there is some significant, there is a degree of control on what we can say at the Confucius Institute, right? Now, ignoring that, right? Generally, it's you know, it's just telling you about Chinese culture. It's fine. They won't talk about Tiananmen Square, but like, and maybe there's more to Chinese culture than Tiananmen Square. Um, even though in America it seems to be a big thing, right? So we have that on one side, right? And on the other side, right, we have the literal Department of Defense. Um, and we have we, we have uh, this mandate being pushed um, not by people who are worried about the atrocities in, uh, in the People's Republic of China, the genocide that that country is carrying out. Rather, it's just a bunch of Republicans um, who just don't like the Chinese for other reasons, um, for less less moral reasons, right? They've uh, they've managed to carry on or stay from the previous administration, or probably Biden unknowingly. It, nah, this is, uh, Biden's down with this. Um, it, but anyway, and this is yeah right. This is why we're breaking on the taboo. So, the Department of Defense will stop giving funding to the university to any university that continues to have a Confucius Institute on campus, right? So. Um, on one side, we have the People's Republic of China, and on the other, we have the Department of Defense. Both categorically bad institutions, right? Um, and the university receives significant funding from the Department of Defense, right? $50 million um, to go, that goes to like nine different colleges, right? So on one hand, damn, that's funding we need. Um, and on the other hand, it's like, you know funding to just help Kentuckians build better bombs? Like, what are we working on? Is there really, is defense uh, contract spending really what we want, you know? So, like, on one hand, I, I don't know, I don't like either side. And I don't, no one seems to have a good take. Um, everyone that I've talked to on campus just doesn't have a good take. Um, uh, of course, um <laughs> Uh, Show me someone with a good take. Uh, well, maybe who had the worst take. Um, not the worst take, but just I just hate this guy. Um, enemy of the people, Jay Blanton, who is a um, UK. He's what he's the top UK spokesperson. This guy is famous for um, allegedly he claimed it being the person who authored the treat the tweet uh, last summer um, uh, from the official University of Kentucky Twitter account, telling the uh, Black Lives Matter UK account. Um, just to like fuck off i i can't remember the exact word it wasn't it wasn't exact it, they're, they're not used but it was like it was so weird and they refused to apologize for it anyway this guy not good um these these top uk spokesperson people all you know no hell hot enough um for the fucking work that these people do um let's see what else here apparently we could keep the confucius institute if we get a waiver from the secretary of defense right and now, here's this part of the email that Mr. Capilouto didn't inform us about, right? So, yeah, Capilouto sent an email to everybody. Yes, everyone on campus got this email. And this is what I'm basing the report off of, right? Um, <laughs> Journalism. It, well, it's, I, it's, it. I got the email, and then I interviewed students on campus. What more do you want from <laughs> there me? There you go. You this did is it. literally, this is all the Herald-Leader did. If you go read the yeah. Herald-Leader article, you won't get any information That's exactly different what from the Herald me. Did. Not because I copied the Herald-Leader, <laughs> but because we're pulling from the same source and we're grasping at straws here. Like, this is journalism, folks. It's all, it's all DOD stuff, so it, it's all NDA to oblivion. Exactly, right? Although, 
Um, if you're under an NDA, know that it's a lie and you can break it whenever you want. Um, truth is more powerful. But uh, anyway, um, the they did not say if they tried to receive such a waiver from the Secretary of Defense, right? They said that you could receive one, but they did not say if they have attempted to receive such. So it seems to be that they're just like, actually doing it and then eli capilito is like and this is so bad because you know the racism against asians is so bad right now which is true um hate crimes against asian people are up like 150 percent in america right um i wonder why uh i think there was a push in the trump administration to classify some at least some some asians as white huh for like monetary concerns i had a friend who who is lebanese and he, for government purposes, was considered white um, nice. for like scholarships, etc. This is a um, this is a very exciting look into how fascism works, right? Because only the fascists really get into like, well, who is white, right? You know what I mean? It's it, so this, and you know, if we if we have any other taboo subjects on the show that are not in our code of contact, please bring them up now because I'm about to move on to the. Do we have the. It's basically the uh, the actual fascists the u.s dod versus the autocratic technocrats yeah who will win um they're right this is the other thing right like like at the at the larger you know thing like who like like do i want america to win because america's also the baddies right like, like, do I want the empire to win on this one? Like, that feels like not the not the answer, right? But do I want the other? Em- <laughs> do I? <laughs> this is right. It's truly insane, and I think I'm gonna just put attack in that, and hopefully, um, we will never have to bring any of this up again, um, uh, in hopes that there will be no more Confucius Center news, um, to uh, to activate. You can this only procedure. this is this is until the the PRC reveals that there's actually WMDs in the UK, uh, Confucius Institute. Yeah, no. If let me say this: if um, if PRC tanks roll onto campus, we'll have to revise our rules, folks. <laughs> but like for now, <laughs> the the lame election desk that we were constructing last episode will quickly turn into the lame war desk. Oh yes, <laughs> that very. Ex- I can't. Yeah, I'm I'm very curious. Um. No, I don't know what I'm saying. Um, let me get, and now. Meanwhile, something wildly in our wheelhouse: the most recent city council work session. Um, finally, some familiar territory. Finally, well, once again, the city council work session is a is a um, is a strange and grotesque beast, right? Because um, this time they just had the video and not even the work session packet. So, um, and I'm so like when they went to vote on new business, right? Um, uh, a councilor at large. Maloney, our boy, um, and I'm saying our boy because he simply decided to vote no to three things, right? So I'm like, good for him. Thank God someone's saying no to some of this shit. Um, but like, I don't, I don't know what he voted no on. This, these could be ostensibly. I could be a huge fan of D E and F, right? He's like, he just said no on D E and F, and I'm like, <laughs> go team. And then I was like, wait a second, and I'm like, I don't, I don't know what that is. I can't. There's no way for me to confirm what he voted. D E and F uh, turned out to be city city grants to uh, podcasters. Yeah, ah, oh, damn, be so funny. Well, that would require me to to um, inform the city of uh, who my social security number. And oh no, I don't know. Is, is city grant money worth them knowing who I am? No. Yes, I enjoy the anonymity I live in. Um, so they had a little presentation on workplace harassment policies, and I was sitting here watching this. 
And I'm like, I don't know, no one's going to care about me reporting on this on the on the lame podcast or whatever. And then I looked back at my note sheet and I already and I had like five bullet points from this. And I was like, oh my God, I guess I got to talk about it. Um, if it was interesting enough for me to write uh, about this. So there are three people that handle all harassment investigations. There are just three. <laughs> there's just three people for the whole city, which like. I'll bite. Who are they? I don't it, it, just that's that's just they're just people. I don't I don't know. Just people. Yeah, they're just people. Um, So like, I guess that's good news because there's not a lot of harassment. So you don't need a whole staff of people. Right. I guess it would be bad if they're like we have 50 people working around the clock on harassment. I'm so sorry. I didn't silence my phone, folks. This is very embarrassing. I want it to be like, um, like the you know, like the Roman dictator. Like they, the harassment council comes out in times of great need. Oh, dude, that would be awesome. Um, well, so uh, they're they're having this presentation because obviously Officer Middleton, who was um, fired for the wrong reasons, um, but uh, <laughs> totally should have been fired. Um, you know, like like does not <laughs> a, a, a categorically bad person. But they also, they also, you know, they, when he did bad cop things, the cop union protected him. And then when he, you know, tried to go just a little bit symbolically against the grain, um, uh, they fired him. And also, like, they were big racist to him, even though it's a cop. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, we, at, least, at least he was fired. <laughs> yeah, at least, I mean, at least that's one less cop, right? Um, but anyway, so the, they were, they're, they're investigating these harassment things that uh, Middleton has claimed, right? And um, they've had it, they've ordered, you know, city council wants this presentation because people are, they want to be reinvestigating um, HR. And they're like, well, what can we do? And the answer is like, I don't, like they had this policy and they felt like it was for nothing. Um, well, that's not true. Jennifer Reynolds um, really, really made it a little worthwhile by bringing, having some sort of message to the media, you know, anyway. Um, so HR investigations aren't required if the complaint is determined not to be a violation of the uh, chief administrative office policy 5R. Um, so this is entirely it, all the CAO, which is what is chief administrative office is short for all poli- all the 5R policy um, is, is just related to federal title seven compliance. Right? So if you're um, it covers basically two things, right? Like sexual harassment, and environmental hostile environmental harassment um so like basically any form of discrimination based on like your genetics um or whatever uh if you haze your fellow you know accountants at the city government it's bad if you say slurs bad if you and this is a direct quote have any written material hostile to an individual or group unquote that's bad um and uh so if it does not meet the smell test, right, uh, then these then the um, HR people will go take it up with your own department, right, and then the bylaws of their own department applies. I trying to find out a harassment scenario where you don't violate CAO five R, but you it is still harassment. Like you know what I mean? <laughs> it's very strange. But anyway, so Jennifer Reynolds though brought up a very important point, and she's like are we obligated to report on this, right? And, and the guy's like, yes. And she's like, even if the person that's telling us doesn't want us to tell it. And he's like, yes. And she's like, so if anyone in city government knows about it, including the city councilors, and she gives a little look as much as you can on Zoom, right? Hear anything. 
We are all obligated to report it. The guy goes, yes. She goes, thank you. Everyone take note. Um, so I don't know if there's something going on, right? If there's something that Jennifer Reynolds knows that we don't, right? I don't think so. I think she was just trying to make, be clear about this. But it feels like in the sort of drama of this, it feels like um, feels like she's talking about something. I could I could see that I could also see her being like, in case anything does happen, letting letting the city councilors know here's what you need to do. Yes, no, that's what she was actually doing. But, but in my in in our in our little uh, Machiavellian hellhole. In, yeah, in in our like weird lame version of city council, I kind of like the idea that we that where she, we just crave division. Yes, she 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 is. That's like a that's like her tell or something. Like she's she's actually crying out. Yeah, and she she shows up. She shows up like you know she mysteriously kills herself while in the back of her you know locked in the back of her own trunk in a state three miles away. Um, I don't know if I would go that far, but no, this is the logical end of everything in city council. It's just like mob killings. Yes. (laughs) Um. Right. In a in a totally fictional world, right, ladies and gentlemen, it's very. There's not a whole lot of intrigue going on in city council. It's a very dry place, and this is probably for the better. Um, yeah, we're not Rhode Island. We don't have a lot of mob influence. Okay, all right, yeah, all right. And, uh, let's not relitigate any other podcast here. Um, okay, uh, council reports, which is the best part of the city council work sessions, where just councilors can just say stuff, right? Um, so uh, council member Plowman, um, she's like, the, so, and the, she reports on this. I didn't hear about this. Um, so I, I imagine sort of the outreach in general just kind of sucks on this, but it's probably maybe because they don't want enough people to know cause they don't have enough stock for it or whatever, but this is a big one, folks. This is a huge one, right? Lexington public library, um, has rental Wi-Fi hotspots. You can re- rent it up for two weeks and then if there's not demand, you can renew it. Right. Um, so that's big, right? You can, this is, um, this is big for me because one of my big, uh, platforms here is, um, expanding uh, free internet to everyone in Lexington, right? So if you have a library card, you can literally get free internet. I like it. Yeah, this is big. This is huge for me um, as someone that is homeless and uh, um, doesn't have a good... Uh, um, my, my my mobile hotspot sucks, so... That's a... that's a, You know, I'm glad that the, that the library is doing this. Um, getting people connected mm-hmm. is important. Yeah. Um... She, uh, at some point when she was discussing this, she referred to it as viral instead of virtual, right? And everyone on city council was like, like, just like, they didn't unmute or anything, but everyone was just like visibly losing their shit over it, which I thought was good. Um, and, and not in like a, just like having a good laugh, but like, uh, like, like, um, like hand over mouth, like, oh my God, did Plumman say, yeah, it was, it was, it was good Uh, for me. This is the most emotion you get out of a council meeting. So I was really I'm really, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm starved. Um, we're pro, we are, I, we might even be on the one year anniversary of Jake Gibbs death. Um, rest in power. They just want to bring that up. He, he got out of here right before all of this yeah, stuff. He, went yeah. Down. I, I remember it's the, like, maybe like a few weeks after he died because it was, uh, his birthday is also in late March. So like in late March when they're like remembering, you know, what would be Jake Gibbs, uh, um, birthday. I'm just like, man, um it sucks that he died but also like man he left he left the city with a much brighter future uh looking at the lexington wikipedia page oh thank you um which you guys have not updated okay 
uh by the way oh i know someone who can of the new city i mean we all can yes thank you the new city councilors i'm just putting that out there jake gibbs died unexpectedly on march 3rd 2020 okay so so yesterday. yesterday yeah rest in power um uh, this is a uh, James Brown brought this up and um got the uh um I forget the official title but the person the w- warden that person who runs the county jail um the warden yeah warden um who is a woman uh, girl power hashtag um uh I'm so glad that our pri- that our jail is now being run by a woman um hashtag girl power hashtag girl boss um we love to see it uh the inmates at the jail will be getting um the Johnson and Johnson vaccine um. Uh, but they've asked for only a hundred vaccines, uh, orders of the vaccine. So I don't know. I don't know the, the numbers in the jail, but they said they said one hundred like it was a good thing. But I'm but my I'm immediately like that's not a big number. How many how many people are in there? I have, yeah exactly no clue. Um, you know like, knowing them, I bet it's enough to achieve theoretical herd immunity. Like they're not going to vaccinate everybody, but they're going to vaccinate enough people. So yeah, I, herd immunity. I, well, especially it's like it's like oh, is this person going to be here? I don't know. The whole, I mean, just, whole just listen to, to the it. whole citations needed episode on um on the COVID in jail because they they can do it far better than we can. Yeah, that was the, a good one. Yeah, the answer is uh, our simple summary of this is that is that this smells, um, and uh, we're 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 probably right in um, being critical of this. But anyway, um. James Brown then go on to say, says that he saw advertising and this is so, this is so screwed up. Um, he saw advertising, um, for hiring seasonal workers to work the pools at like our public, like, like the public pools. And he goes, so are we really about to open up the pools? Cause this is the first I've heard of it. Um, and, uh, we, apparently we will be hearing about this at a future work session, but the answer is that yes, um basically the way they the way they said is that yes right i like that james brown is like the last to hear about i mean we're we're the last to hear about it ultimately but i like how i at least in the powers of city government well there there is something there's something truly it makes it's very human humanizing it makes me feel very connected to these people where they're also like how am i the fucking last guy to hear about this like like <laughs> it there's true this is and this is really why i have I, I do this podcast because like there's truly so much shit in the city that like people just don't know about and like 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 it, not even the counselors know exactly about right and you go and you go like like in the first question you always ask yourself is not like oh man i wish you knew about this sooner you just you just ask yourself like how was i supposed to hear about this like if i didn't watch if i didn't go 40 minutes into a, a, a public you know uh like like a um a work session right i would not hear plowman say that there was f- literally free wi-fi hotspots to rent like i'm losing my fucking mind over i I don't it's killing me i don't think i was on the uh library page the other day and i didn't see them advertising it Uh, uh, so i don't know i don't know if there's like still making that announcement maybe or something like that but at least as far as the the library is concerned i haven't seen it Hmm. okay um ladies and gentlemen if you've been driving around you may have noticed that there is a um just a lot of fucking gravel everywhere now right um, just on all the roads, just little, really just small pieces of gravel, right? It's annoying to bike over. I'll uh-huh. tell you what. So I didn't think anything of it. I'm just, I just, I just, after the snow came, I'm just like, man, there's a lot of gravel here, right? Well, a lot of people have noticed and have been contacting their city councilors, right? So they brought on the guy into the call. Um, and this is so cool how the work sessions work. They just have all these people on call 
right? Just like waiting in the in the you know in the side, like you know waiting in the um uh, like the breakout rooms in the yeah like in breakout rooms or like physically in the in the government building and they have like a like a camera and lectern there for them to speak in. But they just have like everyone in city government that can like account for whatever on the side. So when a counselor, like when when Lamb brought up like this, they just brought the guy in who like runs this um the uh, the assault um the assaulting and everything. And we had an awesome little thing. They're just like they're like I need this. They're like yeah, I had constituents calling complaining about this. And the guy goes like, all right, what's the neighborhoods? And they're like this. And he just writes down. And he's like, okay, we'll do it. Um, and I'm <laughs> like, man, that's awesome. Um, it just it just felt I was like efficiency democracy in action boys right anyway um, so uh, it was not cities around the world around the United States had issues retrieving salt this past February right there was a shit ton of snow and it was not that these cities did not have the money it was that this they they physically couldn't get any right um, and this is for a multitude of reasons um, one. All of our salt gets delivered to us um, down the river. Um, so uh, current weather conditions were preventing um, travel up the Mississippi in Ohio. Um, so that was delaying our salt shipments, right? Um, and uh, also, there simply wasn't enough salt to go around, right? I don't know. Really, really weird. But um, we massively also... Because at the last work session, they're like, "Do we have enough salt for one major event?" And they said, "Yes, right." But um, but now the message that we're coming out is like, "Oh no, we misunderstood. We actually had so little salt that we had to start mixing in gravel into the salt." Right? Oh, is that what? So so that's why there's gravel. Yes. Everywhere. So the gravel was everywhere because they mixed it in with the salt, which is kind of genius, right? Because the gravel, right, can't be um, dissolved in water, right? Which is a big this is a big thing going against salt, right? Um, and it is also, you can pick it up again, right? I know in, uh, I want to say in Montana and Alaska, they use gravel and sand amid a few other things um, uh, so they can have reusable, um, you know, anti-icing, um, you know, doing instead of just literally salt, right? And it's good because I would much rather have gravel denting up the bottom under chassis of my car than salt corroding it, right? So I'm sure it's better for the environment too. Yeah, well, that's yeah, exactly. Um, so they're like, they're like, is this the first time we did it? Um, and the guy says, I think I've only been here since 2009. So as far as 2009 is concerned, this is the first time we've ever done it. And even though it left a lot of gravel everywhere, still, I don't think it was bad. I think it's a, a noble trade-off. We definitely have to work on the um recapturing of the gravel post uh post storm but i don't i don't i think it's a good idea i think the gravel's good we've got street sweepers we can vacuum up the gravel exactly yeah they shot vacs out there yeah well i mean they've been running street sweepers but they need to run more is essentially the issue right and this is so this is so obnoxious um someone went out and put a bunch of salt in the big one pound ziploc bag took a photo of it and just texted it to chuck ellinger um and I'm like, I'm like, dude, get a life. Just complain. You don't need to get the photo. I, 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 people are so obsessed with just epically owning their their city representatives. And I'm like, why? I'm like, don't be just be kind to yourself. You anyway. can you can own the uh, the congressional people. Exactly, but those city people, people are yeah are on, a, on a different level. No hell hot enough for people in legislatures, right? I mean, um, speaking of people in legislatures, Maloney was asking. Um, what are, was asking about how our lobbying efforts at Frankfurt are doing. 
right? The Lexington lobby. Yeah. Well, I mean, we have we have lobbyists from from Lexington that go and they lobby legislation there, right? And I like it was like really there was some clear communication issue between him and Gordon because Gordon didn't really give a real response, and I can't tell it's because she's like like nine, you know, playing five D chess with this guy, or she just didn't understand the question right. But he was like, he's like, oh, you know, like, like, you know, when I did the Frankfurt stuff, we would always, you know, keep close tabs on it. And I know, and I'm sure you are, but like, what are we, you know, there's the uh, no knock warrant bill going around. What are we telling our lobbyists? Are we, you know, are we good? Are we a neutral? Are we against it? Right. Or whatever. So I don't know, maybe there's a future presentation coming at like the next work session or something about that. But, um, uh, for, uh, for now, the, the, the today I learned of this podcast is, um, uh, Lexington just has a team of lobbyists. States get their own, you know, there's publicly funded lobbyists, lobbies. I love Speaking that. Speaking of Frankfurt, I don't think, it, I don't know if this is on your agenda or not, but are you going to talk about the um, the bill to limit executive powers against evictions? Um, no, I'm not. I assume that you would be, I'm assuming, I assume that one of us was on the um, uh, Frankfurt beat and I was not yes. it. Well, while we're, while we're on the topic of Frankfurt, I guess we can, we can talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, this is this is something I've heard in passing. I haven't really done like a lot of in-depth research on it, but I've done enough looking around to kind of know what's going on. Mm. Um, basically, the House uh, and Senate GOP in the uh, Kentucky General Assembly have passed a measure, or they're looking at a measure to limit basically Andy's uh, ability to stop evictions. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... That's a, that's a, that's no no good. Yeah, absolutely no good. Um so but that's that's all yeah. from Frankfurt Corner. Well, yeah. Well, I'm sure we'll um uh one of our members of our um uh, a vast team of journalists will be covering that more closely next time. Charlie, you can put that in the calendar. Yeah, Charlie, if you could put that on the calendar. <laughs> um Okay, so this is, and I can't spend too much time on it because I've already burned a lot of time telling you actual news, right? This is not so, I mean, this is a news. This is the thing that happened, right? But this is not something that we can get you to act on, right? A lot of the times I cover stuff that's like, you know, like, hey, you should be aware of this or whatever. But this is simply, um, what I simply have to tell is just an epic tale of... This um, is good. uh, And it's... um maybe maybe the most blackpilled segment i've ever done on this podcast <laughs> um because everyone was every, the whole team was together we had the a team you know we 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 uh, sent we you know we bought we brought the posse back together everyone even our own elected officials tried um what they could and then at the end of the day we were not successful i came into the story I came into watching this uh planning commission zoning public hearing which is literally the name of it i don't know and I, all I knew was that we come out of this losing, right? There's like no way that we would come out of this winning. Yes, correct. And we'll get into why. So I'm gonna very, I'm gonna very, like, I'm gonna try and like very uh, quickly go through this because honestly, um, it just makes my blood boil, and um, it, it's not really constructive to just get upset at them. But however, you do need, you do need to know the sinners in your community, folks. So. Um, know your enemy yeah this is a this is this the moral the sort of question i have for listeners while they're listening to this is um who is steering the ship of state right who really can you know in a world right where having control of the urban landscape um in my uh you know opinion 
um, is like one of the most important things a city council does, right? Um, where, the, you know, in, in a world where that fact of control is the only thing we have stopping us from just sliding deep, deep into the abyss, right? Just ask yourself why we continue to let this happen, right? And uh, maybe, hopefully, the good that can come out of this is um, better legislation coming out from city council um, about how zoning works, right? Because, um, you know, obviously there are many things that must be changed, right? About how we, who we let do what with commercial land in our city. So anyway. Speaking of zoning, Blake Hall, thank you for the wonderful email about the zones. Yes, this was a, this was a good, it was very good. Um, I didn't have time in this episode to cover it, but I do. I'll be making, I'll be making a little infographic. Yes, um, and posting there we go. that on the Twitter. So be on the lookout in the next couple of days. Yeah, we're gonna be we're gonna be taking up um, zoning evangelism as our next big hit. Um, but anyway, just stay tuned until side B if you want to hear more about zoning. So on the intersection of Versailles Road and Red Mile, right um, on the corner, one of the intersections, there is a um, a, uh, a disused uh, fast food restaurant, and next to it, and this is critical a 12-unit apartment complex, right? The owners of this apartment complex want to um, demolish it and sell it to Speedway. Um, and so uh, so we can have a, a, another gas station, right? Um, and, uh, you know, like, it's bad. It's bad. Um, folks, you know, I can't believe I'm stalling over this. I literally have notes. It's the like ninth gas station in a two mile radius, and it's no good. Um, so, uh, people, um, you know, local residents, experts, friends of the podcast, and literally two council members showed up to this hearing, right? And what? the whole A team is here. Literally, yeah, right. Um, so, you know, the planning commission is sort of at a crossroads here, right? Uh, I don't even know if they're at a crossroads. They're on. They're on a one-way. They're street. at an intersection. Yeah. Well, n- shut up. That's <laughs> nothing. I've already. That's nothing. Um. So, the issue is that this land has already been zoned, right? And one of the it's been zoned B one. And one of the uses of B one is a gas station, right? So, they can't deny the zone change because the zoning is already different, right? Um. So all they can do is just make these guys who want to build a gas station their lives miserable by, you know, demanding that they build, you know, a more um, pedestrian-friendly gas station, right? And at the core of every single bit of commentary from the anti-gas station people, right, is that there is, you know, our, our, our heroes, right, is that there is an acknowledgement, right, that at a certain point, um, gas stations are inherently not friendly to pedestrians, right? And that every, you know, that everyone that is opposed to this um, is opposed to it, you know, on one hand, yes, there are some issues with the layout of the gas station or the aesthetics of the gas station. But ultimately, we're voting no against it because it is taking away housing from a shortage in a pandemic, is replacing it with another useless gas station, which will, and this was not a point that was brought up at the hearing, but it's something I will say, if you put up another one of these gas stations, you're going to, uh, one of these other gas stations on Versailles Road will go out of business, and then that lot will just sit because no one wants to buy the lot because they will have to dig up the gas tanks, right? And that will cost a lot of money, and no one will do it, right? 
So you're creating it's it's already a blight itself, but it will create more blight, right? This is the this is the nature of the system in which we live, right? And as a result of it being the nature of the system in which we live, our planning commission and even our own elected city councilmen have nothing, no power over this, right? Absolutely nothing can be done short of like new legislation that will mass that will rehauls how we do this thing right which is what i'm advocating for right so we um we have i'm just gonna i'm just gonna read some uh some testimony from some of the people of course friend of the um friend of the show blake hall um had to show up and i was like yeah and i was i, I knew he was going to be there because um, i was reading his tweets on it but like yeah there were more people it was so good anyway briefs i'm not these are not direct quotations right because doing direct transcriptions from the um, uh, playback device for the streaming thing just like sucks. It's like uh, it's not good. So I'm I'm, I'm giving paraphrasings, right? With this my... is editorialized, but I think it's improved. Yes, thank you. I I, I added. I think um, I can't remember if I removed all the if if I added and then removed all the swearing. Um, but it's good. The yeah. the main ideas are still there. Oh, the main ideas are certainly there. So. Blake Hall has to say, and, um, and Blake, I'm sorry if you disagree with what I have to say, but I don't think you will. Um, Blake Hall says, you agreed that this is bad. <laughs> this is a nuisance and burden on all non-car traffic. Adding a right turn lane, because the other thing is that they need to add a dedicated right turn lane as part of this. So they need to do, they need to change right of ways and shit on this thing to, if for the gas station too, which is the, the other big issue, right? Adding in a right turn lane would not only increase cross times for pedestrians, but it would also be introduced into the existing bike lane, right? Which is bad. Red Mile has no sidewalks. So even though you've, you know, placated us with the eight foot wide sidewalk, who isn't that great? Um, it goes to nowhere. <laughs> not to mention that if you have that you have to walk past a gas station, right? Which is inherently another non-pedestrian friendly thing. Who cares if the sidewalk's big or not? Um, if you add bike racks, right? It's nice, but the bike racks go nowhere. It's 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 a bike rack just to shop at. Like you would be riding your bike to go to the gas station. It's truly insane. You're like biking to Seven Eleven, basically, right. but if an inferior Seven Eleven. Yeah. So, um, District Three sort of blobs everywhere, right? It's truly amazing, actually, how much because there's like a big dead zone of University of Kentucky in the middle of District Three. It's amazing how much it actually covers. So District Three is actually part of Red Mile or close to Red Mile. It's not the exact intersection, but District 3 has stuff to do it, which is why I was so wildly shocked, right, when Hannah Legree shows up to the meeting. Hannah Legree, this is what Hannah Legree has to, sh- have to say. Again, paraphrased. I am an elected representative. <laughs> this project does not reflect the neighborhood's desirability for a more walkable, community-centric corridor over Salem Red Mile. I am advocating for the bigger picture and long future of the city and not your shitty uh, gas station, right? Then Jennifer Reynolds, who's literally the representative of the district, right? She says, many more people have come to me since the last hearing to tell me that they hate this gas station. This is not safe. It's not considerate. Even though this isn't a zone change, we have an area and quarter development plans and having another gas station is like very much against this, right? It is very much against the will of every single um, city, you know, every, every, everyone in city in, in the city, everyone that is interested in, and invested in the future of humankind is opposed to this gas station, right? So, in short, um, something interesting if, that you may not know about the Red Mile Corridor, right? Um, the Red Mile Corridor is actually, you know, 
pretty good example of some transit-oriented development. It's very dense housing with frequent bus stops. Like it's if you want to use public transit in Lexington, right? If you want to use the bus, living on Red Mile is generally the best place to use the bus, especially if you're commuting to campus. It's like a real transit corridor that you can actually use instead of having a car, right? Is what I'll say to that. Um, so, but... <sighs> This will obviously not help the whole transit-oriented development by building literal gas stations, right? Um, and also, and this is truly insane, the landlord got on to make some comments, like the guy that currently owns the apartment complex, and he was like, actually, building a gas station will make the area safer because the parking lot behind my um, in the behind the apartment, bad things happen. Prostitutes go there. My maintenance person had his car stolen from there. So by removing this parking... Um, we will actually be safer because the people will not be there anymore, um, which is like got some very similar levels to uh, why don't you just move out of Appalachia energy? Um, very sort of like some very interesting eco fascism going on. Again, there is no such thing as a good landlord. There's no such thing as a good landlord. Um, and if you're just tuning in now, I mean, like, think about it. Um, so we are powerless against this, right? Um, and really, uh, as far as, um, the, uh, planning commission has done a, um, a, a very, uh, beautiful thing, right. By n acknowledging its powerlessness yet forcing these planning people to sit down to another three hour hearing where they just bully him, where they just invite the town to come and bully the guys that are doing this. Right. Um, so like one of the, one of the, um, planning commission people basically um summed it up by saying something along the lines of once again just a loose paraphrase bullet point through my head at like three in the morning this is legal but everyone knows it shouldn't be hmm? so they're voting no and refusing in and you know rejecting the plan not be, you know even though they take issue with some of the design or whatever they're voting no because fundamentally they're morally opposed to this gas station and good on them right so this leads to a split vote um and then we have some beautiful shit where for like 20 minutes they try to figure out like okay what do you do if you have a split vote right and almost all the parliamentary law has to do with split votes on zoning changes right but this isn't a zoning change this is a development approval plan right so um they're like they're going to give it a continuance, right? And as I wrote on the final part of side A, on this final bullet point, see you in a month, losers. And I yield my time. <laughs> they never thought that this would happen. They didn't <laughs> think to write down the rules. Oh my god, it's like 50 minutes into this recording. Oh man. I'm. It's going to be a long one, folks, but I had a lot to say. That's right. Um, You know, it's it's... An interesting, interesting things are happening in our city. Who, so it's, it's Speedway versus it's Speedway and the landlord versus the entire population. Yeah, I don't know who exactly what exactly this institution has to play. Maybe they, maybe they own the other property or whatever. But um, but literally like on the docket it just says Ball Homes and Speedway, which are like you know one of the two most evil corporations. You know Ball Homes, um, a Lexington developer who simply must be destroyed. Um, but you know, anyway, um, shall we end side A? Is this done? This is the end of side A. Thank God. I'm so sorry we're taking so long today, folks. I don't know what's gotten into me. I'll see you in a second.
You guys are listening to Lame, the Lexington Apogee Marxist Experience. If you guys like what you're hearing, you can follow us on Twitter at LamePod. You can also email us, LexLamePod at gmail.com. Be sure to leave us a review on iTunes, whatever you think we deserve. And make sure you share this with your friends, your mom, your dad, your parents, your grandparents, your aunts, your uncles, your uncles. Everybody in your life, make sure that you get this podcast to their ears and into their brains so that we can one day get our press passes to the Kentucky State Capitol so that we can do some reporting on the General Assembly. But without further ado, I'm going to end it here for the middle section. I'll see you in just a few for Side B. Welcome back to Side B of Lame. I'm Aaron. And I'm Jenry. It's, I don't know, we've already said the date. It's uh, March 4th. March the 4th be oh, with wow. you. Commit Commitment. I love that. March yeah. the 4th be with you. So, folks, I don't know if you've looked up in the sky in the last week. Or down at the ground. Mm. I don't know if you've realized the amount of uh, lake or waterfront property that has opened up here <laughs> in, in Kentucky. Um, in case you haven't been aware, there have been some floods um in the entire state yeah it's uh, um my brief my brief personal testimony here is that out out in um uh where i live now i live on i live very close to uh lake harrington right which is the um it's a it's control it's the dicks river but it's been you know it's damned and controlled um the most terrifying thing is that you know the rain came or whatever right but then the next day just the water was higher and then the day after that, the water was higher. And the day after that, the water was higher. And the lake just keeps increasing in um, in uh, in depth, even though it hasn't rained in three days. It's honestly terrifying. Um, um, I'm sure, you know, everybody in the state has seen that viral drone video of uh, Beattyville and yeah. uh, Clay, Clay City. Mm-hmm. Um Paintsville has also been like really affected. Uh, basically, Eastern Kentucky, yeah. the most. But everybody has been yeah. flooded. In if some you're way. if you're close to the Kentucky, I'm saying get fucked. Like basically, even the red has been overflowing too. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had the other. I think this was yesterday, right? The the marina. This they, was they um, kind of scraped uh, the singing bridge. Yeah. The okay. So this is I'm, I'm so this is the one point I need to bring up on side B for my own reporting, right? So as someone that is deeply familiar with Harrington Lake, right? Um, the Herald Leader article claimed that the marina likely came that this this whole 200 foot long marina that just came detached and started flowing down the Kentucky River likely came from Harrington Lake, right? And I would like to and I would like to tell the Herald Leader. Um, uh, that it would be a fucking a miracle if that happened, <laughs> because the in order for the in order for that marina to go from Harrington Lake to the Dix River to um it, 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 to the Kentucky River, it would have to pass through a a, a turbine. <laughs> <laughs> it would have to go through the dam, um, which is what I don't understand here. Could it? It is possible for it to go over the dam. Well, then, the, but then well, at that point, well, the it, water okay, it's, the water's it's, overflowing. Well, there is so there is a um, there is a side runoff of water. But I, once again, I just I doubt. I don't. 
I don't buy this. I do not buy that it came from know. the Herring. It would be, it seems truly insane that the Marina would have survived getting past this dam in any of the ways it could have. We need the drone guy to come out, and he needs, he should have been videoing this. I honestly, uh, the more I've, the more I've become, um, the secret, the secret final boss of the lame podcast is obviously hydroelectric um, uh, uh, utilities. If you all haven't picked up on this one, um, my time uh, living in exile um, uh, by this lake, nothing has made me want to buy a drone more just so I can inspect the infrastructure for my own. Because like, there's only so much these shitty Google Maps things does, and you can only get so close by car or by boat. Because, you know, drive. hot tip, driving up to a dam with a boat is not a smart idea. Um, they have signs warning against that. Yes, correct. Um, I don't know. Uh, I'm I'm deeply curious because maybe I could be wrong on this, but at the same time, you know, Herald Leader, all they had to say was maybe it came from Harrington Lake. So who knows? Maybe we'll, there will be a report out later that we'll talk about it. But that's my two cents on the matter. And it seems like you know, with a lot of these, with a lot of this flood reporting, most of it, from what I've been seeing and in reading, is just showcasing what's been going on, but not actually like how to fix anything. Well, I mean, that would be editorializing, right? I guess so. But they, I don't know. They don't, like, I've seen, like, very few. Well, they few, don't explain why. I yeah, I've, I've seen very few. Yeah, don't explain why. And I've seen very few articles about, like, uh, like here is blah, here's Powell County, uh, like, Resource Center. Call them if you want to help mm-hmm. or something like that. Oh, yeah. Where most of it is just, like, here's here's a drone video. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, you know, like, I mean, I hope uh, the hope is that you can, is that we get good FEMA money because we've gotten good FEMA money for this before. Um, a lot of there's we're gonna a, talk about that. Yeah, well, there's a so there's a I'm I'm sure I, not to spoil it, but just to make sure this got in, there's um like you'll find and they're still here today. If you look along the Kentucky, oh man, I should go down and check it out when I well not tonight. But as a mental note for later. As a mental note for later, a lot of these places that are along the rivers are um are prime real estate for trailer parks. Um. And uh, one of the big things that FEMA did in Kentucky was buy up a shit ton of trailer park property and just be like, we're paying this money, leave and do not come back. You're in so much danger. And they haven't done all of it, but... Yeah, exactly. um, Well, there's... there's, um, uh, Where 27 goes over, the new 27 goes over the uh, Kentucky River, if you sort of can get a vantage point down there. If you go down old 27, you can see it. Um, There's a huge trailer park that I'm sure is like flooded badly. I got to go find out. Um, um, so yeah, I, I pulled up this document from 1964 yeah. by the Kentucky, uh, I guess it was a transportation cabinet. Some people in Kentucky put this, put this document together and this document reads like a 1960s like school film. That's awesome. You know, and they're like, and man split the atom. That's awesome. That kind of that kind of language. Um, looking at all of this now, though, there's there's common threads of uh, what what we've been seeing. And if you don't feel like listening to the specifics, you can just listen to my little list, and you can tune out. Um, it basically has to deal with infrastructure collapse, like flooding infrastructure, uh, climate change, divestment out of Kentucky and Eastern Kentucky specifically, 
outdated or irrelevant infrastructure and Mitch McConnell saying that there's a problem and then not doing anything about it. Thank you, Mitch. Um, like for basically the past like 20 years, I've been, I was looking seeing articles of whenever there was a flood, it would be Mitch McConnell saying, this is a problem. Now we gotta, and, we gotta do something about you. Not it's doing anything about it. Rand Paul today oh, Rand Paul. wrote a letter to Joe Biden saying that he he urges him to grant Andy Bashir's request for FEMA money. Well, um, let me say this, right? Maybe this is why Rand Paul's the most popular person in the state, right? Because he will, at a moment's notice, drop his ideology to um, represent some material interests in the yes. world, right? He will immediately stop being a libertarian um, for like two seconds to be like, hey, you need to put a bunch of money into us. So we're going to we're going to do a deep dive into this document called Flood Damage Abatement in Kentucky. Mm. Um, I basically just gave you the TLDR of mm. uh, everything. So if you don't feel like learning about flood abatement in Kentucky, <laughs> you can tune out. But it's actually pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, I wish I could. The and, you know, if you're so if you're kind of on the fence, I'm going to say that the first sentence in this in this piece is is a real kicker. Could you hit us? Floods are an act of God, but flood damage is caused by man. Damn, that's. I'm I'm already imagining figuring out ways to reform, um, to to reformulate that phrase into just anything. That's like um, I mean that's like powerful. It's incredibly powerful. Um, I'm just. <laughs> Floods are an act of God, but flood damage is caused by man. Podcasts are an act of God, but podcast damage <laughs> is caused by man. They're being canceled as kind of <laughs> by your followers. Um, and so, fucking around is an act of God. Yes. But finding out is the um, basically the solution to avoiding flood damage, to avoiding this kind of disaster, is very complex and, and complex and nuanced. Um, it involves a lot of different things, avoiding floods. Yeah. Dealing with floods is also complex mm -hmm. and nuanced. And I'm sure it also, I mean, the other problem, like the only thing about flood that I'm aware is just like the local politics of flood prevention where it's like it pits cities against each other. Mm -hmm. Like if one city decides to build a levee, it just guarantees that other cities will flood in the nearby. Yes. So it needs to be a regional approach taken. And so, yeah, like the only, the only like, like material way to deal with this is through community action, direct action, mutual aid. Um, like I would disagree. I think you need to just do a lot of terraforming. And I don't well, know, as far I don't as, know how well activists like, can terraform. <laughs> as far as like dealing, helping with people, like oh. the flood has already happened. Oh, sorry. No, I, I, not I thought, dealing with, not I thought, dealing with the flood damage, but dealing with the aftermath is. God, I thought you together, were talking about flood prevention. Yeah, as DA, getting, and I getting was like, together, Are you sure? direct action, mutual aid, all that kind of stuff. Get yeah. around the politics of that and just start doing yeah um, i'm sure do we have do we have resources at the end of this that we're gonna we're gonna say? have resources in the show notes okay um, cool. so be sure to check yeah. those out and uh um, you know give your labor if you can give your money if you can um i'm share. sure w, uh just to go ahead and plug my own because the way um this podcast is now being run i just live in a total black box um where i don't see any of my other uh co-workers uh progress but i will um, I will go ahead and say, um, just from my personal knowledge that, um, that, uh, everyone's favorite local college radio station, WRFL, um, on their website has a bunch of WRFL.fm slash news. Yeah. Or dash blog or something. It's slash news. Is this, all right. Cool. Yep. Yeah. It, clearly um, no one knows what's going on there. 
but yeah, that's a resource. I've been I've been looking this stuff up. Oh, good. All right. Okay. Cool. <laughs> yes. I'm so, um, so I'm sorry, I doubted. Yeah. You. So a little bit of background about Kentucky, mm-hmm. as far as geography and soil and stuff goes, we're classified as humid subtropical, which Amen. basically means we're we're the only like it's us. It's like us and China and some parts of Italy that get all four seasons um, in the way in the special way in, that we do in the special way that we do. I love it. Um, southeast Kentucky is like oceanic or something. That's because of the Pine Mountain and the mm-hmm. Appalachians. Uh, Northern Kentucky, uh, the air is so thick from the Ohio River, you can literally take bites out of it in the in the summer. Sometimes it's disgusting. It's absolutely disgusting. Uh, don't live in Northern Kentucky, um, but. One thing remains true throughout the state and that there is usually some large amount of precipitation in late winter, early spring Mm -hmm. around this time. Um, It's almost like we couldn't anticipate it. And so what happened this year was we had a combination of heavy rain and melting snow Mm -hmm. that like all other years that this has happened before has the melt the rain has melted the snow and there's also been rain on top of that so we get a lot shocker of, another lot historic of flood we could have never seen this one happening um surprisingly most of kentucky's buildings are built near or around some sort of floodplain. yeah well i mean this is just all of human nature we mm-hmm. don't want to peg this one on just but kentucky. yes and humans can't get enough of building on flood and to be fair to humans it's good. It's good. It's, it's good. good to you can you can grow stuff. It's got in great agriculture. It's uh, flat, but you need to be aware of the risks. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the uh, the next chapter in this in this document starts off with January nineteen thirty seven, March nineteen forty five, January and February nineteen fifty seven, March nineteen sixty three, and March nineteen sixty four. These are all dates that mean something to Kentuckians. And I'll oh. add I'll add some more addendums to that. Uh, August 2009, May 2012, and March 2021. Now, um, countless other years have been the victims of flood damage mm-hmm. in this state, um, and even even before then, I think my my favorite <laughs> my favorite quote from this was uh, years years before the white man set foot into uh, Kentucky, <laughs> and this is their <laughs> words: They're, the the natives have been dealing with uh, with flooding. Uh, years before the white man set foot. That's just 1960s mm-hmm. if I ever saw it. Yeah, we love to see it, um, I guess. And so a lot of this has to do with the soil that we have in our in our fair state. Yeah, tell us about our soil. Is it good? It depends on where you are. Mm. Uh, like a lot of things. Is our, is is the good part of Kentucky good have part good of, soil? The good part is in Lexington. Thank you. Um, Thank you. For, for flash floods, anyway. <laughs> oh. Um, northern Kentucky soil, without getting into the geology too much, the glaciers fucked up the geology of Northern Kentucky. They deposited a lot of sand and silt and clay and mm-hmm. grimy stuff into the soil up there. Rightfully so. And so it's very prone to flash floods because the water will just roll off the hills and ridges. Mm-hmm. Um in eastern Kentucky, it's strip mines and mountains, and that kind of a geography doesn't allow for water to be absorbed mm-hmm. into uh, the soil as much, so flash floods are more common there. They should have considered investing in an all-limestone geography like us on our high plain. Yes. Now, we have, in, in Lexington, we have rolling hills, as the that's the technical Amen. term, and it allows for water to be more readily absorbed by the soil 
at the cost of major river basins flooding later. Yeah. We don't get flash floods, but we'll get big floods. Amen. Finally. Uh, the slower kinds. So there's two types of floods, and I've kind of been talking about them now. Flash floods happen when the soil can't absorb water fast enough, so it goes to the lowest area that it can go. Um, most most severe, uh, these happen in eastern Kentucky. Uh, they have, like, graphs of, like, water uh, water present in an area during a flash flood, and they're short. They're, like, maybe, like, 20, 30 minutes or an hour at most. Um, but there's a lot of water going through an area, but then it's gone. Um, where to no one knows these usually well they usually go from high ground to some kind of creek or a channel or something like that Mm. Um, and then those can't handle all of the water so they increase but they don't have a lot of capacity so the water goes through them Mm. into the main river and this is where we get the problems Mm. the major river basin floods uh, these are the larger the larger areas, the Kentucky River, uh, even like the Red River, the Ohio River, uh-huh. um, where all of the runoff from a flooding event goes into, and they don't—they're not as prone to quick changes of elevation. Mm-hmm. So when you have a, a flash flooding event, just that amount of water is not enough to raise up or down the river. Mm-hmm. But when you have a lot of of creeks and everything going uh and putting water in the system it'll Mm. slowly increase for several days yeah and then it's terrifying and then slow and then slowly go back down as as you have observed with harrington lake it's on it's honestly folks it's honestly terrifying it feels like i'm living in a horror film um also the other the real and this is the real bad part of the flood is that the water turns all mucky and gross oh the water is horrible in floods the water the, the water looks disgusting it's full of trees and shit and normally, normally Harrington's pretty clear. I mean, as clear as you can for being built on a former city. Um, I mean, like if you go to High Bridge, you can literally see the um, clean, pristine Dix River um, uh, flowing into just the disgusting Kentucky River. <laughs> um, but and okay, so the there is a like two types of mev, uh, flood prevention measures that this this document kind of covers and those are corrective measures and preventative measures Mm -hmm. corrective measures are your physical means of preventing flood damage more dams yes uh so you have flood control so you have things like yeah dams reservoirs um levees or walls channels improvements water treatments and others um so dams kentucky is is like one of the most damned country states in the country. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Uh, not not from any kind of uh, not like, from God. Not but from, from God. The Tennessee Valley Authority. Yes. Well, uh, the TVA owns a lot of southern and southeastern, but most mm-hmm. of most of the dams in Kentucky, at least in 1964, were operated by the Army Corps of Engineers, mm-hmm. and they were actually uh, most of them were built actually and before the New Deal. And yes, and the, I think it's the Dix Dam is owned by Kentucky American Water. Yeah, sounds about well. I, it's uh, if they're not owned by that, they're owned by KU or something because the generating station for KU is right next to that. Mm. And they've ex- this is we're giving too many spoils away yes. from uh, from the uh, the penultimate episode of this podcast. That's right, where we tackle the Dick Stan. Um, levees are fine. They uh, Newport and like Northern Kentucky has a levee. Ohio does not for some reason. Amen. Um, the problem with levees, uh, as you were alluding to earlier, is you. 
or just shifting the problem downstream. Mm-hmm. So uh, when when a river rises, and uh, if you're not familiar with what a levee is, it's just like a, a big mound, big mound, yeah, a big mound that you put on the on the bank of um, of a river. And um, when the when the water rises, um, you're basically making a bigger channel for the water to go through. Yes. And so what happens is that water still has to go somewhere. So even though the river is rising and you're not getting flood damage it just yeah pushes it downstream farther down the river yeah but you know they're not you so widely considered a dick move and this is we in america we don't know what the hell to do about this i mean famously like when chicago went to they literally just reversed the direction of the chicago river and the um i literally like like active talk about talk about like um the power of man went to reverse this thing and i i want to say like missouri filed um in the supreme court against um uh against this and the supreme court agreed with them but by the time the supreme court said something those fucking mobsters in chicago had already moved literally changed the direction of garbage toxin river and now it was flowing um and now it was flowing uh down toward all the garbage was from chicago was now flowing down into the rest of america and not out and into chicago's water collection super Uh fucked up nice but Uh, it it was too late at that point well yeah and this is why we need this is why um maybe some central planning could be good Mm-hmm. Just throwing it out there, folks. Um, yeah, and then there's of course like water channel improvements, like you were saying, um, water treatment and soil treatment, which I thought was interesting. Mm. If you you know if the soil is porous enough, if you have the right amount of plants, mm-hmm. plants to like crop ratio or whatever, and replace my soil with majority gravel. Uh, you can you can help mitigate uh, the the amount of water you'll get from a flash flood, mm-hmm. which is helpful. We got to just start planting a bunch of cacti. We'll put a bunch of trees on strip mines and the, <laughs> <laughs> someone's invoked a lawn. <laughs> um, the other kind of corrective measure is, um, well, the, it's just called other corrective measures. And these are oh. more um, like social. Uh, so you have things like evacuation, flood forecasting, asking um, the weather not to be so yeah, bad, flood, flood proofing, some ritual dances, um, Yes, urban development and others. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's preventative measures. Uh, so we have uh, floodplain regulations. And this this is the big one here, zoning ordinances. Simply, if you want to build in a way, way where you get flooded, you have to build it better? Um, partially. There's also uh, subdivision regulations, building codes, health regulations. And, you know, for all of these, they have others. Um, so... Uh, I guess we can go ahead and talk about um, about zoning. All right. Um, zoning is is interesting um, because for and what this document its scope was mostly focused on was doing residential areas in a floodplain. Mm-hmm. They're basically saying you don't want to you don't want to zone floodplains for residential use. Yes. Um, um. And this the reason is, for that is because they flood. Yeah. Um, if you go down now and look at, I don't know, maybe you're going to get to this, but like if you go out to High Bridge and you sort of take that path down toward down by the river instead of going to the residential area, almost every house that is still built down there on that floodplain is built like a house um, in New Orleans on the north side where they don't have a levee. Um, really, they have uh, the levee is like only a few feet tall. 
and every house has been raised or has been destroyed post Katrina and built and raised. So the bottom of the house is like, you know, you park your car there and store your lawnmower, but all the real house is like up a story, um, which is pretty wicked. Um, especially, uh, the fact that, um, that with the fact that we're coming to terms that, uh, Bad shit like this is only going to happen more and more frequently. It's only going to get worse. It's only going to get worse, folks. Um, and so, because the floodplains and the flood areas are more prone to this kind of thing, the property is a lot cheaper. If you're yes. if you're building something there, you don't want it to be flooded. Nobody's yeah. going to want it. Um, also, basically uninsurable. Yes, uninsurable. Um, there is a whole section about insurance in, yeah. this, in this book. Uh, basically assume that it insurance will never cover for floods yes um this is it's it's incredibly fucked up but because they're because they're too predictable yeah not for your car not for your house not for anything you, they simply will not yes. insure um even and, in like new orleans you have to buy special flood insurance you have to you have to go in search of insurance specifically for that and it's incredibly expensive and so um so basically like a lot of what this document is focusing on is advocating for cities to make floodplain uh, areas more like apparent in their in their designs. When you're building uh, new constructions, new houses, you'd be like, "Hey, this is a floodplain. Maybe you don't build here." Mm-hmm. Um, what unfortunately has happened since since the publishment of this document is that uh, its its warnings have long gone ignored. Um, although FEMA has done a lot of work to mitigate this, there's a lot of trailer parks, mobile home areas where they're still on a floodplain and it's the, you know, it's cheap land. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's where a lot of like impoverished people like have to live. Um, and so the, the other, the other kind of, uh, other preventative measures, you have development policy, open spaces, tax adjustments, warning signs and flood insurance. Uh, he was, this guy was proposing some kind of, um, like a, a statewide flood insurance policy. And I don't know if that's come to fruition or not in the past 50 Mm -hmm. years. Um, maybe, I mean, it would be really nice to, um, finally take, uh, insurance out of the hands of private equity and give it into, uh, the hands of, um, our state government. But yeah, he was basically talking about low, low interest loans, to mm-hmm. people who've been affected and then you have socialized flood insurance we have kind of a like a a wet day fund not a rainy day fund a, a floody day fund terrifying yes um so you can subsidize those hit hard by flooding um he was also talking about like reurbanization efforts in some areas to where uh, a lot Maybe. of these a lot of the places that have been hit by this are very rural they're very spread out mm-hmm. and so places like uh, paintsville places like you know in eastern kentucky um that don't have like a massive or at least a concentrated city center that's away from the floodplain. Mm-hmm. The goal would be to move them to a city center away from the floodplain, maybe subsidize the housing. I don't know, do something there. Ooh, Ur- someone, urbanize. You said, you said the boat, you said the good word. Yeah. Some, you know, something like that. Get people away from mobile homes into more like dense, yeah. denser areas. Um, and that's just better for, for development in general. Yeah, it turns out actually getting people out of poverty is um, an incredibly good thing that you can do, um, which is why the, the Republican Party simply won't have it. Right. Uh, the goal the goal of uh, water or flooding prevention, as, as this document puts it, is keeping 
man away from water instead of keeping water away from man. Yeah, it's awesome. Like I've been telling you, this reads like a 1960s documentary. Oh, it's it's beautiful you stuff, you right? I mean, back I mean back when people really liked their government jobs and really sort of you know um, gave it gave it a certain level of artistry in reports, mm-hmm. you know. And you know the problem is like people in Covington and Newport, they're living a life of of false security. Yes, because and, they think they have this levy. Yeah, and they think and they that really they're think safe. they really think it's going to do something. There was a they're doing some case analysis, and in Louisville, uh-huh. they're asking these people who built new houses on a floodplain, "What do you think happened?" And when they asked them, their response was, "Well, I didn't know I was building a house on a floodplain. Nobody told me." Oh the developer God. said, "We get floods, but it's not very often." or something like that that's so bad Um, and so like the goal the goal here would be like educate people Mm -hmm. about like where they're where they're living where they're going to be setting up yeah and you know for a lot of people they don't really have an option Mm -hmm. but this kind of go it goes hand in hand with urbanization with education yeah this i mean this is just my uh my deep my deep uh new orleanian heritage coming out but like guys building houses on big fucking stilts are cool um it's uh you know it's it's space saving you don't have to build a shitty garage or whatever you can just have the underwater space um Mm -hmm. if you're worried about your car getting flooded simply don't have one now the uh the thing about the thing about zoning changes that is where things start to get political yes where do you where do you put it on the map like where what is defined as the floodplain and what is not because if you go by if you go by what's actually the floodplain then you run into what great britain had in the the mid 1900s which was we have all these cultural borders but we're just going to draw straight lines and that's Mm -hmm. only going to solve our problems yeah uh well you know what it's um it's a big complicated thing and um who knows maybe maybe it's what we deserve then Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um he was also advocating for um we, you know we require our buildings to have like fireproofing mm-hmm. basic stuff like that he was saying like maybe it wouldn't be a bad idea to require our buildings to have uh floodproofing war flashbacks to the five over one episode um of well there's your problem i know we've talked about this podcast before but this there... is basically well there's your problem without slides right now i don't i i i reject this ignore I, I reject this claim but um, there is a they do a pretty good job of explaining um, how it's basically impossible to flood proof anything these days because everything is made out of engineered lumber. Everything is oil. Ever well, yeah. Well, that's not the power. I'm just saying things that are flood proof are generally built of masonry, right? So, and not of oil, and not necessarily of wood, right? So. Um, Every single like if 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 Lexington flooded right, the old courthouse would be good. The new courthouses would take some work, but they'd be good. The city government would be good. Kentucky Theater would probably be fine, right? But you know what wouldn't be fine? Places like the Lex, um, the Hub, um, basically all of suburban Lexington. Um, yeah, every single ball home, every single new dorm built by UK would every single every single one of these places would have to get destroyed because once you it's like a wick once you put water in this in 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 these these buildings it just spreads through the whole building and just destroys it and so to kind of wrap things up here um it's a it's it's many things 
working in harmony to ruin the lives of Kentuckians. Yes. Turns out, actually, though, the solution to this is pretty simple, and it's just valuing the material lives of people. Yes. Um, um, luckily, luckily, um, communism is still the answer. Yes. So we, it's, it's uh, so we, you know, to review, we have things like poor zoning. Um, it's cheaper to live in a floodplain, mm-hmm. and it's harder to insure. Um, infrastructure neglect. Uh, like we were saying earlier, a lot of our flooding infrastructure very worryingly was built during like during New Deal, pre-New Deal, pre-New Deal, yeah. Or even if it, you know, let's say let's say it wasn't. It was built during the Kennedy Eisenhower or Johnson administration. Aren't you special? I'm so proud of you. Still forever ago. Still forever ago. Yes. Um, and if let's say let's say for example you have some pre-New Deal infrastructure yes. that has miraculously been maintained. Yeah. What a what a dream that would be. Mm-hmm. They're still you're still not guaranteed to be safe. Right. Because they a lot no of clue. a lot of infrastructure has become lame and not the podcast. Mm. Because what was true <laughs> what was true a hundred years ago is not true today because of yes. the way rivers shift and mm-hmm. how waterways shift. And so if there was a dam or some kind of levee that was built in, you know, several hundred years ago, not <laughs> several decades ago. That'd be awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, for the Dutch, that's true. <laughs> for but... the Dutch, that's true. Uh, if there was a dam or levee that was built several decades ago, pre-New Deal, it's probably like still in working order, but it's no longer relevant, um, which is like a big problem because you have putting all this money into a an important resource that is not doing yeah. as well as and all of a sudden there's time. not even even the same gravity differential or anything right you just have a river that's shittier um and the biggest problem is people just not understanding floods or not being able to be in a place where they can get out of a flood zone yes so poverty and lack of understanding mm-hmm. um, i mean basically uh we learned all of these lessons even though um, it was a hurricane. I think Katrina taught us all these lessons, right, about um, how not to respond to a uh, major flooding incident, right? And um, it's hard to say if um, if any of the people who need it have gotten the help, um, have gotten the preventative help that they need. You know what I mean? And it's you know it's hard to even say like will they, right? Is yeah. is that something that will happen? Because you know it's one of the things people always talk about in in like helping Kentucky is, you know, they're all talk, but at the end of the day, yeah. the Kentuckians are still on their own. I mean, once again, ladies and gentlemen, there's a reason stuff like the New Deal era stuff was good for Kentucky, right? Because Kentucky, just like every other place, I would argue, but, but Kentucky, especially because we're cool and we require more maintenance than the rest of you. Um, yes. It turns out, turns out the only thing and this is something we I feel like I'm constantly harping on with a lot of my stuff that I talk about, especially with stuff like Lextran even, you know, is that is that a, a large investment um, in uh, in ev- basically everything is good. Um, uh, not, you know, not necessarily for, you know, capital or whatever, but generally it is very good for capital. But more importantly, it's good. F- it, it, our lives are made materially better and we are can be one step closer to living in a um in a uh, central kentucky utopia day well you're you're ending it on a lot a lot nicer of a note than i was going well, to i just i just on. got so black pill by side a i had to yeah. i had to like lift us out of this one um, um the answer though of course to but because because you've teased me um this kind of investment um 
basically will never happen in the yeah, current system we live uh, in. It's the unfortunate reality that a lot of this stuff is going to get worse because of climate change and because yeah. of the shifting political climates. We're we probably would, not going to see the same aid that we did in the 30s. Yeah, like, uh, I mean, n- nothing short of, like, political revolution. Pretty much. Um, basically, you would need... Um, you would need an incre- you would need a a restrengthened um uh Kentucky back in the good old day when the democrats were just like literally the mob and just mm-hmm. ran the state um you know like autocrats and so that's when shit happened yes and so when our you know when our institutions fail us we have to rely on each other yes so ladies and gentlemen for that you can look at the links in the show notes for mm-hmm. ways that you can help um you know even if it's just like giving some money or, you know, donating some food or something like that. That's still super duper important. And, you know, we can only really rely on each other uh, in in a lot of these, you know, when our, when our institutions have failed us. And with that, it's happened again. Yes, folks. You've wasted another perfectly good hour and a half. And a half. <laughs> listening to Lame. We'd like to thank our esteemed executive producer, Charlie Carey. Thank you for getting me that PDF of of this um this has been a tremendous resource throughout uh the episode uh thank you for all the work you do could have done a little better this episode charlie but maybe that's just me (laughs) could have gotten a little bit more recent work it's you know it's interesting to see that this was written in 1964 and some of the things that this guy that they're talking about are still relevant today. Well, I mean like it's uh, when nothing has when, changed when you're talking about like like geologic time and like mm-hmm. liberal governments I mean like that's yeah. it, what's 400 years to these people exactly and you can follow us on Twitter at LamePod. you can send us your emails at lexlamepod at gmail.com we do love receiving that fresh feedback it's um, lovely to talk to you people yeah don't forget to check the show notes unironically uh, don't forget to check the show notes um, you can leave us a review on itunes share this with your friends yeah we have a website we for a all website. our stuff uh, that's also in the show notes just okay. check the show notes it's yeah. all in the show notes uh and even though the ohio river rises by 20 miles well every what? time no come on every okay by i don't know 50 feet every time in here's every time <laughs> he hears bad. us say it this is lame <laughs>